You're listening to Auto D coming at you live. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in on this beautiful Monday evening here in Scottsdale, Arizona. I am your host, Otto Daniolo, broadcasting from the Star Worldwide Network Studios high above Camelback, Camelback Road. And uh, today my guest is going to be Jackie Vinson, a graduate of the Berkeley College of Music. And she is at home in Austin, kicking it before she heads into the studio tonight. So uh, let's get in the mood with a track from Bonnie Raitt off of her Fundamental CD. This is called Spit of Love.
You're listening to ROD, coming at you live. And that was Bonnie Raitt with Spit of Love here on the Otto D Show, where I am your host, Otto Daniolo. And tonight, my guest is singer, songwriter, and blues guitarist, Jackie Benson. Jackie, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. So you're I'm in, doing good. You're I'm in Austin good. right now, correct? I am in Austin, Texas. I just landed like 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Barely had, barely had time to fit in a screwdriver and a little bit of a snack <laughs> now I'm on the way to the studio <laughs> I know I thought that was pretty cool that you're heading back into the studio already so you work what are you working on this time this is a new record work on this new EP yeah it's actually an EP because I just started working with a new uh, I got a lot of new people on my team now and some of them have basically with new people come new doors mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, I have a lot of cool projects out right now but you know, it's like they're not new, and it's much easier to do something with stuff that's new mm-hmm. uh, versus the other way around. So I got this new group of people working with me, and, and they're wanting to uh, do a few different kind of campaigns and kind of pump and push a new kind of look okay. that I've been having for the last five years, and hopefully it'll open even more doors. And So we're just trying to get this EP done as soon as possible because I just landed this really big show in Austin, Texas, thrown by a radio station, Uh which is like perfect timing for a radio campaign. Awesome. And when is that show going to be? That's going to be on July 12th. It's called Blues on the Green. About 15,000 people come to that show. Wow. That should be awesome. Uh, A lot of bands on the bill, I would imagine. Nope. Just me and one other band. Awesome. That's fantastic. Between now and then, you're actually... Pretty busy though. You're going. To, you're going to New York uh, between now and then. You've got a few shows in New York City. I saw on your on your calendar. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to New York just because it's just the definition of paying your dues, man. You got to go to New York. You got to go to L.A. You got to go to New Orleans. You got to go to Atlanta. Like sure. there's just certain cities where it's like if you don't go there, you're just robbing yourself of potential opportunities yeah and then uh, a lot of people would look at you as being less relevant because you weren't playing those required markets in a sense that's only one that is true and it's all about perception but that's about 10 percent of it Mm -hmm. the the 90 percent of it is that industry people and international industry people movie industry people film industry people like music industry people they all really they really do all live there mm-hmm. it's really crazy it's mm-hmm. hard to believe but they seriously do live there because that's where their industry is they yeah. live where they work that's right and you have the best chance of reaching these people if you go and play at a club that is four blocks away from where they live <laughs> exactly that's exactly you just do yeah. you just do <laughs> yeah, they're not going to be hanging out uh, in phoenix they're going to be hanging out where they live you know but it's funny. Uh, yeah, you I mean, can... it's not even anything against Phoenix. They're not going to be hanging out in Austin either. Right. And well, that's where I live. I was going to say there'd be a few more in Austin. Travel, there'd be, you a, know? be a few more in Austin. Austin's a is a pretty cool music city. Mm, not really. Not, so? not, not on that level. Yeah, not, not on, on that, that level. level. Not on that level. But uh, uh-huh. when you did come through Phoenix this last weekend, it was the first time I had an opportunity to catch your show, and I really enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I, I love uh, Phil Phil with Fender. He put he put that whole band jam together. It was really great. It brought a lot more people in the door. That was mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. You're also headed off to Germany pretty soon for a few dates. I guess that's more uh, like as well as Czech fall. Republic. That's going to be uh, three weeks in June. Is that your first trip out there? No, it'll be my third. But it'll be my first trip with the band. 
Oh, I was going to ask you if I you spend, go out as a solo or you take your group with you. Well, the other two has been with the solo because I'm just trying to build the connections mm-hmm. that would, you know, it's like just getting the band there, just the plane tickets. I'm not even talking about anything else. Just mm-hmm. the plane tickets, getting the band there is like $3,000. Mm-hmm. So in order to even build the connections to be able to get there and not just be thousands of dollars in the hole, mm-hmm. took me two trips. Mm-hmm. And how many shows are you doing while you're out there? Uh, like 15. <laughs> we're going to be gone for three weeks, and we're going to do 15 shows in three weeks. <laughs> That's a lot of work. I have a couple questions. Yeah, it's going to be nuts. When, it's going to be nuts. When you go, uh, I have some other friends who do a lot of touring in Europe as well, and do you find that handling your merch is a bit of a problem? Do you take everything you think you're going to need for the trip, or do you have it shipped to you every week? No, I just take everything and put it all in one suitcase. And since there's going to be... Um, three of us, and we each get, you know, a check bag. Either right. we have to pay for it, like twenty-five bucks, or we get it free, depending on the airline. Mm-hmm. Um, we just kind of divvy up the merch between the three check bags. Mm-hmm. Could be a lot yeah. of work. <laughs> yeah, but it'll be worth it because that's that's what's going to feed us. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, I have a question yeah. for you about the audiences there. Since you've been there a few times, do you feel there's a place uh, in Europe that seems to respond better to your music than another? No, it's all the same. Okay. People just love people love music. People love blues. People love to dance, mm-hmm. and people love the energy. and And it's the same in America. People really dig it in America too. Mm-hmm. Well, I bet you're yeah, ex- it's all the same everywhere. Cool, very cool. And I bet you're excited to be able to take your band out this time. Is it their first trip, or are they just session guys that that travel a lot? It is not their first trip to Europe. Period, but. For the so, so the drummer has never performed in Europe. He's been to Europe. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's 50 years old, so he's traveled. Right. But he's never he's never uh, performed there. And then the bass player has performed in Europe with another band one time, but that was like 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. So they're they're stoked. They are stoked. And the plane tickets were pretty expensive, but I have a, a really great support system in Austin, and a friend of mine is throwing a like a concert in her backyard. And all of the ticket sales are going to go towards the plane tickets. So we're probably going to get a good two-thirds knocked off the expense of the plane tickets. Well, that's cool. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, and and we'll have a party. and It's like basically we'll party, we'll play, Mm -hmm. and we'll get two of the three plane tickets paid for. Cool. Now, at the beginning of the show, I described you as a singer, songwriter, and blues guitarist, but I think to call you a blues guitarist kind of puts you in a small hole. Your records represent a lot broader style than just blues. Yeah, but it's like sometimes you got to, just to get people to press play or to get people to get their foot in the door, you Uh got to simplify it a little bit and you got to let them piece it together themselves. Well, stylistically, how would you describe this new EP you're going into the studio to work on? I'm going to say... Like, uh, like R&B, blues, pop. Okay. Can't I can't really describe it any other way. That's the best I can do right now. Because <laughs> yeah, well. every song, like one of the songs is like a funk rock song, like literally funk rock. Mm-hmm. And then one of them is straight up like the poppiest song I've ever written in my life. Mm-hmm. And then another one is like this mixture between blues and soul so I'm just going to say blues, R&B, rock. Cool. Well, that's exciting. I look forward I'll to hearing it. That. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Cool. And oh, then, sorry, uh, I got 
Got some phlegm in my throat. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> Do you have an, exp- an expected uh, release date for that? I'm thinking like later in the year, but honestly, it's like the we're we're just trying to get it really out there on a on a bigger level, like mm-hmm. than just Texas. Mm-hmm. Like all my other releases have kind of they've done well in Texas, but then once once you leave Texas, you don't know how they are or what they are, and the press isn't really mm-hmm. up up to speed on outside of Texas. And so we're trying to get a little bit of a wider reach on the newer releases. So it really super depends on, on, uh, the radio campaigns, when, mm-hmm. when they want to fall, what, when the team thinks that is the best, su- like this, does this sound like a summer album? Does this sound like a winter album? Sure. Does this, you know what I mean? It just, there's a lot of elements that are, that, that add variables to the situation. So, I would like to say late 2017, but it cool. might be early 2018. Is it going to be three cuts, five cuts? What are you thinking? It's going to be five. Okay. Very cool. And I, I was wondering, too, when, you, when you're going to be in Europe, how hands-on are you with, your, um, with setting up all the media? Do you do a lot of interviews when you're out there? I do sometimes. It, it just depends on what comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, a, we have a, the person who books the tour for me worked uh, really like hand-in-hand with a promoter. Mm-hmm. And the promoter might want me to do interviews. I really don't know yet. And it's kind of something that I usually don't find out until about a month out. Okay, cool. Well, I'll try but to last time I went up. to Europe, I did do like three radio interviews. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I'll be ready for it. Yeah, oh, I don't doubt it. Um, can I ask you, how old are you? 27. 27. I thought I had read that someplace, but I, I didn't remember for sure. And so when, how old were you when you made your first record, when the first time you went into a recording studio and recorded something? I was 22. So your recording career is about five years old. Yeah. But you've already done, you've already done what, four, four physical releases? I've done four, yeah. A recent live album? Two EPs and two albums, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, in fact, after the show, I picked up um, uh, the in what was it, the title in the light the light of me. Let me double the light of me. Yeah, double check that title and I uh, enjoyed that. I had to go down to Tucson yesterday actually, so I listened to it all the way down and back, oh, and nice. uh, enjoyed it. It was a very very cool record and and again the style was pretty broad. I thought I would wanted to play a, a few cuts off of that record because I had some questions for you about them, kind of how they came about yeah. and. Um, one of them, I think, that really shows up your style real well is a tune called What I Need. Oh, yeah, the rock reggae one. Yeah, it's really, really cool. But it kind of goes out of that style in sections and comes back again. I thought you really put a lot of different things together in this, and it's pretty clever. Yeah, the verses the verses mm-hmm. are, are rock, but the uh, the choruses are reggae. Yeah. So you want to uh, tell me a little bit about the, making that record or anything in particular that comes to mind about that song? Well, it's like I wanted to make a record, and I wanted it to be a like a full album. I didn't want it to be any, another EP. And I'm so all over the place with my genres that I really wanted to have at least one record that re- that truly represented that. Mm-hmm. And and that was kind of like the thinking behind it. I, I call it my my uh, my collection of hits. Like I don't I know none of them became hits, but like basically, I feel like any of them could have been. You know and, what I mean? And in each so, like, one the of them, the rock stations could have picked up of. what I need, or the singer-songwriter station could have picked up the lie to me, or, or the soul station, the R&B station could have picked up the love I give, mm-hmm. or maybe the hip-hop station could have picked up now, right? Or maybe like the old, 
like the 95.5 like oldies station could have picked up beauty of your love or maybe the like blues alternative could pick station could have picked up always free or i don't cry right. i basically wanted to see what would happen <laughs> uh-huh. if i released a record with like a variety of different opportunities for radio airplay mm-hmm. interesting yeah. and then so when you went to did you have a little bit of a radio campaign on this record or did you just kind of send it around and see what happened i did have a little bit of a radio campaign on that one and it didn't go so well because i kind of didn't i didn't choose the right radio people right it was just kind of a 50 50 yeah that's a t- it's a tough one especially if you send the whole record and the style does kind of shift song to song they get confused exactly. too they don't know what they don't know what like to i do. just i was i didn't know it was mm-hmm. my first experience ever doing a radio campaign mm-hmm. and i learned a lot from it cool. but it was basically that that record was my guinea pig for that kind of thing cool well on this song what i need um what, what are you doing you're playing guitar and, and singing vocals and then yes. uh, are you producing the record as well no, I, I, uh, it's so, not one of, it's not one of my skills, so I'd rather pay somebody who really okay. knows how to do it. So you got a producer on the track, and then is the, the guys playing, the people playing with you on this record, are they, were they your band, or are they just session guys? Um, the bass player is the bass player you saw on, oh, great. on, uh, Friday, mm-hmm. but I've switched drummers since. There was a, that was a different drummer. Okay. I switched to my current drummer, his name's Rodney. But essentially it was your band at the time. Yes. Yeah, okay. it's one third of my band. <laughs> yes. Okay. And now this record can be found on, on iTunes, I would imagine. I didn't look there. I know it's available yep. through, and available through your website as well. Yeah, it's pretty much everywhere. Any kind of digital platform you, uh, you listen to, it's on there. I guarantee okay. it. And anybody listening to us, Jackie's name is spelled J-A-C-K-I-E. Last name is V-E-N-S-O-N. And .com will answer a lot of your questions just right on the website. Yes. So here is, sure. uh, here's, let's listen to What I Need, and then we'll be right back. Here we go. All righty.
difference between what I want and what I need and what I need and what I And that was What I Need by Jackie Vince. And Jackie Vince, a very, very cool track. Pretty heavy. Yeah, as heavy as I get, I guess. It's very cool. (laughs) Uh, Who would you say are your uh, influences as a guitarist? Uh, It's kind of like a mixture between like Buddy Guy and George Benson and like maybe like a little bit of B.B. King. Did you run mainly into, just Buddy Guy. Did you run into like George, George Benson, Benson when you yeah. were out here? Oh, no, I didn't. He lives in Phoenix? Yeah, we should have got him to the venue. Oh, that would have been rad. Yeah, that would have been cool. He, he's, he's, it would have been easy would, to do. Although, if you, if you would have brought him, though, like, okay, let's say, like, hypothetically speaking, I come back. Because I'd like to come back, and I've come back before. Mm-hmm. But, like, I come back to the show, and I tell you that I'm coming back to the show, and you get him to the venue, Right. do not tell me until after the show, please. You got it. it'll, like, make me really nervous. You got it. Not a problem. Okay, thanks. Of course, when he cool. walks in, he Just walks in, you know, he always... a reference, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he always looks fine, and he'll, he takes a prominent seat, so you you, probably, you might find out pretty quick anyway. But, uh, you know, it was funny. I was at a I show... I don't know. That would really mess with my head. I'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. that I get that. That guy is... Something else. That he? guy... Yeah, he. Yeah. I was at a uh, Joey DiFrancesco you show here in town. You can't fool that guy. You can't fool that guy. No, you can't. You know, and uh, he came in and sat down uh, at this Joey show. Joey DiFrancesco is a B three jazz player, uh, and they, oh hell yeah! And they played a couple of his cuts for him, and it was really fun to watch him sit there smiling while while Joey's band played him down because they just played him off the cuff. It was really really cool. But uh, nice. Well, we'll work that out next time you come into town. And then I was also wondering. Is he pretty easy to get a hold of? Well, yeah, he's you know he's. In the music community here, so he's, yeah, it's not hard to get a hold of. So, yeah, I mean, I've been making records in town for 30 years, so I know a lot of the cats that are here and and can get a hold of people. But um, I was wondering, too, a lot of uh, artists have people they really would love to collaborate with, either on the writing side or on maybe on the singing side. And I wondered if you had uh, kind of some thoughts in mind about that. You know, I, I have a really hard time answering that question because it's like half of a collaboration is a personality Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So like 
I have heroes, and I have people who I think are brilliant writers, and I could list names all day of people I would love to collaborate with. But what if I meet up with this person, and they're like a total jerk? Right. Or what if, like, they are a little too meek? Mm-hmm. Like, what if they just let me take the reins, and they don't ever offer their opinion, so they don't really care? Mm-hmm. Or maybe, like, it's just so impossible to know what you're going to, how you're going to mesh with somebody. So it's like, yeah, I can shoot out famous songwriters that I really admire, but I don't know if I'm going to get along with those people. Right. And that's a, that's a huge part of it. Yeah. It's a process. Yeah. No, it's like, it's like, it's like a boyfriend or a girlfriend or something like it's well, a let's, chemistry. Let's assume that, that you'd get along with this person. <laughs> then, then who would it be? Who, who are you? I'm going to say Lauren Hill. Okay, cool. Yeah. That would be fun. I'd love to hear that. that That'd be awesome. Well, listen, how did you get into all of this? I mean, your dad was in the business. So how, how old were you when you first picked up an instrument and started to play? I was eight. I picked up the piano and I started to do classical piano and kind of did everything by the book for about 12 years. And I learned, uh, I learned all these classical songs, like these really crazy, complicated classical songs. And mm-hmm. I wanted to, you know, I was, I had, I was prepared to audition either for Juilliard or for Berkeley, and and um, for Juilliard, the audition is a nine-song concert, and you have to have two songs from the classical era, two songs from the Romantic era, two songs from the Baroque era, and then two, and then three songs of your choice, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I actually had eight of those already learned, and I'd already been playing them for years. Wow. So I was. I was like eight out of nine songs. I was already ready. And then I just had to learn one more. And so I decided I wanted to learn this Chopin song called the Revolutionary Etude. And uh, I got about halfway through the song and it was hard. I mean, all these songs are hard. Right. But for some reason, this song especially was really hard because it had it, it was a lot of left hand arpeggiating mm-hmm. like the the right hand part which right hand typically for a pianist your right hand is stronger because mm-hmm. that's the one that's doing all the melody and all, all the work and the left hand is just the rhythm part basically right. and but here's the thing about the revolutionary etude it's not true it's the other way around the left hand part is so much harder mm-hmm. than the right hand part. and um it, it wasn't that i wasn't going to be able to eventually do it like, I knew that if I just kept on obsessively practicing like I always had, right. that I would get it. But it was just this moment where I was like, do I really want to, like, go and spend, like, $50,000 a year doing this and this only? Like, everybody says that school's really hard. I'm like, do I really want to go in just and just do this? And then what am I going to do afterwards? Am I going to become, like, a concert pianist? There's, that's not really a viable career option mm-hmm. not a very large audience for that there's even a less number there's a less audience for classical piano than there is for jazz piano and jazz piano's audience is already pretty low and talk mm-hmm. to any jazz player mm-hmm. they'll tell you the same thing like the audience out there the record sales for that genre mm-hmm. very very low like one percent of record sales for classical mm-hmm. so i'm just like do i really want to go and just like drop 300 grand on this path right and i was like no it's not 
it's not logical. It's interesting that Even it took that level. This, it took that event. Not, you know, you, you had all the rest of the work behind you, but it took something that was like, this is, I'm really going to have to invest my time first to even get there, and then I'm going to be stuck in a position where I have to invest all of that time and money doing this. But it took you getting that yeah, close. and then after that, then what? Yeah, I don't know. It took me 12 years of learning impossible music, to, and then this one last song. But it, it wasn't <laughs> awesome. just all the, the circumstance under which I learned the other songs were, hey, I like that song, and I think it's beautiful, and mm-hmm. I want to play it. Mm-hmm. But the circumstance under which I was learning this song was, hey, you want to get into the best school in the world for music. And that school's going to be freaking hard. And you're going to like, it's going to be your whole life. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, look, Jackie, you've been learning all these songs for fun, but it's like, you need to get real now. Right. It's Interesting. like, this is, this is real. But you did end and up going to like, Berkeley. Oh, man. So you did. End well, up- the thing with Berkeley is I auditioned. I auditioned with one of the songs that I had like written. Because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, all at the same time, like I'd get done class writing classical piano and I'm sorry playing classical piano and then I would learn songs or maybe jam with my dad and his band I was doing both I wasn't just like playing classical piano only mm-hmm. I was probably doing classical piano 75% of the time and then 25% of the time I'd jam with my dad's band or I'd toy around with with chord voicings and mm-hmm. just other stuff that had nothing to do with classical piano I, I kind of took like jazz piano lessons on the side from the class like I was already trying to branch out ever since I was 16 here I am at 18. I already had been branching out for about two years, and I was like, wait a minute. Like, there's so much more out there mm-hmm. than this. And all the stuff that's out there besides this is more lucrative anyway. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had been doing voice lessons since I was 16. So I was, like, already thinking, like, you know, maybe I do want to be a performer who sings and writes. Mm-hmm. I already had that bug in my in my ear. You know what I mean? And, and so it was – it just – it all came to a head when I was like learning this song and I was like, I don't have to do this. I, I can go to a different kind of school and do something else. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to audition for Berkeley. And if I don't get into Berkeley, I'm just going to start playing gigs around mm-hmm. Austin. That, that, that was my plan. I'm either going to get into Berkeley or I'm going to play gigs around Austin. Uh-huh. I'm going to start a band and I'm going to start grinding. Like I did not see a college education as a requirement. Right. I saw it as just another opportunity. And you were going into school with all kinds of theory background already, I would imagine, from all your training. Oh, yeah. I went in like already like a semester in. Yeah. Like I graduated in three years instead of four. Cool. Well, how was your experience at Berkeley? And did, did you walk out with a bunch of friends you're still in touch with? No. I. Uh, it was a really hard school. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the climate, okay, so... The things that had nothing to do with the actual school itself really made me very depressed. The season, the seasonal thing, the cr- climate. I went from 300 days of sun to 160 days of sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really, really hard. Like really hard. People laugh. They're like, "Oh yeah, you didn't get." It. I'm like, "No, no, it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. It's really freaking hard." I, I understand. Like yeah. five straight weeks without the sun. I what know. Were you, do you even remember what you were doing five weeks ago? It's like, now imagine, ever since five weeks ago, which you probably don't even remember what you were doing on this day five weeks ago. Right. Now imagine you hadn't seen the sun since. I know. Just think of it for a second. And when they're up there, they don't have the sun, maybe, you know. But, I mean, you know, it's kind of like being in England. But here, like, we're in the Arizona desert. It's sunny all the I'm time. I'm in Texas, dude. Yeah, you get used to it, you know. 300 days of sun. It's like, 
beautiful every single day. The trees are green. Everything's beautiful. It's warm. 70 degrees. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, I know. Every day. And it's worth that. And that's like, nice. With, a, with an exception of one or two days, you might have a rainy day. And even that's perfect because it's like, <laughs> oh, rainy day. Cozy up. Watch a movie. No. Every day's a rainy day over there, man. Every day. Yeah. That's Terrible. Funny. Horrible. That's you funny. always got to wear a coat. Horrible. All right. Well, short, so short, of, the, short of the really weather, what, were there other complications? I mean, it's, it, you don't have a no, tone in your no, voice like it was, was a pleasant just, the school experience. school was just really hard. Was school it? was just really hard. I got about 10 hours of homework every day. Uh. Easily. And so I didn't have time to make friends. I wanted to do, I mean, that school is like 60 a year, dude. Yeah. You just dick around and get drunk when you're paying $60,000 a year. Like, right. holy crap. Got to go to work. Got to go to work. So I took it very seriously. I had like three friends and we would hang out like one or two days out of the week because mm-hmm. every other day I was doing homework. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, yeah. you got through it, got it behind you, and then you went and did what you were going to do anyway. You started playing gigs in Austin. Yeah, except for I started playing gigs with Austin in Austin with like this advantage of it was just a lot of knowledge, man. Yeah. It, it took me years to realize how much I learned there. You know how like they always say like study and then oh, yeah. take a break and then sleep on it and you right. wake up the next day and you're better. Like, mm-hmm because you like slept on it and your brain processed all the things you learned mm-hmm. that that happened over years it took me years to realize how much i learned mm-hmm. at that school yeah i don't doubt that it doesn't hurt to have the, the berkeley grad on your bio either you know it's for a lot yeah, of people that want to see not, it validates it's things it's not everything it's not even yeah. close to everything I, hey, there's it helps. plenty of people who are multi grammy award winners who have not even been to school period yeah well, that's it was true. really just the personal education, the personal growth I got. Mm-hmm. It, it was everything that I gained from that school was personal. It and it wasn't it wasn't anything that was that you can't learn anywhere else. I mm-hmm. was just lucky enough to learn it all at the same place, all in a compacted amount of time. Mm-hmm. That's all. So now you spend most of your time on guitar instead of piano. Is that your favorite instrument? Right now it is. Yeah. Do you find when you write that you spend more time on guitar or piano? Guitar for sure. I, I hardly ever play the piano anymore. Okay. Interesting. Well, let's go back to another cut because I have a couple questions for you about a song called All Rise. All right. Sounds good. You wrote in, in the lyrics, All Rise for the Wave of Humanity Trapped in Insanity. Yeah. That's pretty cool, but I wanted to know uh, it could mean a lot of things to different listeners based on different things. Where were you coming from with that phrase? Uh, just watching the news and watching all the crazy shit that we do and the crazy shit that we put each other through. Uh-huh. It's like we're stuck in some weird, like, generation or several generations, like, wave of, of human beings where we care about things that don't matter mm-hmm. and we don't care about things that do matter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's I feel a like great that's way to look at it. Very interesting. Um, and then you also had a, a line in the first verse, turned on the radio to make my heart grow. All the songs were... DOA. Um, yeah. Just a comment of yours, I guess, that's about how you weren't liking what's, in, what's on the radio. Yeah, because they don't promote the things that matter on the radio. They're talking about, like, you know, I, I really love how you look, and we're getting drunk in the club, and everything's great. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, you guys, like, serious stuff's happening right now. Can we stop singing about the club? The mm-hmm. club doesn't matter. Like, stop singing about the club. It's like, do you know what's going on in the world right now? We need to sing about things that matter. We need to promote the things that make it so that we can make society better. We need to promote accepting people for who they are. 
and right. not caring about people because they look good or that's because right. the shirt that they're wearing is cool. That's right. You know, like we just, we promote the wrong things and mm-hmm. it leads to a lot of problems in society. Yeah. And it's absolutely insane. I agree. There's another Austin artist, David Garza. Um, I'm a big fan of David's. I've got a bunch of his records and he has a song called Soul is a Four Letter Word. Are you familiar with that track? No. It's pretty funny because he's talking about how, you know, how the word soul has almost been uh, stolen by the media to mean cool, and it doesn't mean soul at all. And he's talking about this. Yeah, he's talking about it's been this. corporatized. Yeah, he's like the word soul is a four-letter word. You know, the DJ won't spin your jam if you don't say baby, 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 baby. You know, and he's like, he's just making yep. fun of the fact that it's, it's soulless is what it is. You know, but I thought, uh, and he, he's a he's a, a really interesting writer uh, again out of Austin. You might have to check him out. But let's get back to All Rise. I'm going to go ahead and spin this record real quick, if that's okay right. with you. And then we'll be right back yeah, on the Auto right. D show with Jackie Benson. Here is All Rise. I went to church today to try and find my way. The preacher was a shade of gray. Turned on the radio to make my heart grow. All the songs were DOA. Over again. in time don't know what to believe versus what i perceive the truth is in front of my eyes over again over again we never seem to For a piece of gold It's over now It's over now We never see
listening to ROD, coming at you live. And that was All Rise from Jackie Vincent from the Light and Meaning record. So uh, that's an interesting track. Very different than the other song we played. Definitely. Completely different style. So I can see how, you, as you mentioned, you were aiming for like different uh, styles to pitch to different stations. and mm-hmm. But that's very groovy and kind of mellow. A lot of uh, neat little yeah. noodling guitar in the background. Were you doing all that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All the guitar parts. And, and we made the decision to do the guitar solo on acoustic guitar versus electric guitar. Uh-huh. I remember that whole conversation. That was interesting. Oh, yeah. Well, tell me about it. Uh, well, we tried that we... We tried to uh, record it on the electric, but it just sounded too, like, I don't know. Too much authority? It was just too heavy? Like, like, no, just, like, cheesy. Oh, okay. Just took away from the vibe of the song. Then we recorded the whole, and then we doubled it. So we recorded the electric guitar solo first, and then it just didn't sound right. There was no words for it. It just didn't sound right. So then we... Um, doubled it. We played the exact same guitar solo. I played the exact same guitar solo on acoustic, and then we had the electric and the acoustic guitar mixed in with each other. Mm-hmm. And then that didn't sound right either. <laughs> and so then we just had this idea to just mute the electric, and then it just was like, yep, there we go. Well, isn't it cool, though, when you allow for part of the recording process to be a process of discovery? I think a lot of people try to figure it all out before they go in, and they kind of kill a lot of the potential of nah. the record. Yeah, no, you gotta you gotta be able. I mean, there's there's pre-production is a is a good idea no matter what, but mm-hmm. you gotta be open-minded to things changing, or else you're just not gonna get a real record. Right, and keep true. it alive. And you've had uh, you know in your career so far a lot of great press. You've been uh, interviewed by Guitar Player magazine and Guitar World magazine, as well as some others like Tex- yeah. Texas Monthly and the Austin American Statesman. I'm noticing here. Um, any? Yeah, it's been it's been definitely a blessing. Any particular, uh, anything particularly, uh, any story to recall with any of the, the interviews in particular? I was just wondering, like with Guitar Player Magazine, were you surprised at that invitation, or how did that come about? Yeah, because they're really hard to get a hold of. They don't just interview anybody. They've been around forever, so they can pretty much interview anybody they want to interview. So mm-hmm. the fact that they wanted to even do an interview, let alone put it in print in the magazine, was just really huge for me. Mm-hmm. It's probably the biggest press hit I've ever gotten. And uh, it also was an, it, it was almost like a validation. Uh-huh. I was like, I set out with this dream to be a guitar player, and you know, I'm I work really hard and I'm proud of the work I do. But you know, I and I try not to get wrapped up in what other people think of me because it's like that's not why you should do anything. You should do it because you want to do it right. because it brings you joy. Mm-hmm. And so, but it still doesn't take away from the fact that it's really cool to be validated for the work you've put in. The Absolutely. fact that like a magazine centered around guitar players wanted to talk to me was mm-hmm. pretty wild. I was like, wow, if these people think I can play the guitar, that must mean I can really play the guitar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, those those are great. Not that I didn't have the confidence, it's just that I'm I'm very humble who have been playing guitar for three, four, five times as long as I have. Like sure. George Vincent, for example. You know, the same magazine that interviews him interviewed me that that is huge. Yeah. Same magazine that interviewed Buddy Guy. It's like, whoa, I can't believe I'm in the same space as these people. It, it was really just this incredible moment where I'm like, not only where I'm like, wow, all the work I've done really is doing something and it's really affecting people in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Not just that, 
it's like it was almost like this excitement it was like oh my god you got so much work to do still mm-hmm. keep working yeah. keep doing it you're doing the right thing keep doing it exactly yeah exactly and I think that in a, all along your career, those things happen. It's kind of like you mentioned how you would feel if George Benson were in the room and how that impacts you. It's because you hold him in a certain place. When you find yourself in the yeah. same same you know world, like you're like you mentioned, being in the same magazine that interviews him, it does have an impact. But there's always that next yeah. step where where the people you hold high are a place you, you haven't been, and then you end up there. That continues to happen yeah. to you. You know, the next time when you get the first time you play the Hollywood Bowl, assuming you haven't, maybe you have, but that'll be. I like, have not. That would be like holy cow, you know. Think of all the people. And yeah, those, just occupying lots of those the things. same space as your heroes—it's it's unbelievable yeah. feeling. It's indescribable. Well, and I think it humbles you in a way because you realize that you're not it just does. a fan; you have fans, and you you have a responsibility to your fans as well, and they look up to you. You know. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like the whole like, it was a validation on the work I've done, mm-hmm. and it was like like a egging me on to the, all the work that I have left to do. It, mm-hmm. It's like it gave me this huge responsibility. It's like, well, you can't stop now. It's like, you didn't come this far to just come this far. <laughs> right. Well, it you sounds like, I mean? it's just like some people would be overwhelmed by that, but here's the thing. What the hell else am I going to do before I die? It's like I'm a living woman, man. I got, I got to do something. Uh-huh. And I just, I feel so lucky to have the work cut out for me. Uh-huh. I feel so lucky. You know how many people are my age and they're like, oh, I just got to do something with my life. And they haven't figured out what to even do with their life. Period. Exactly. Or how to even apply themselves. They haven't even gotten into that yet. They're like, I got all these skills and I don't know which one to pursue. You know, some mm-hmm. people are stuck there and, and that's way more overwhelming mm-hmm. than, than, hey, you're really good at this, but guess what? You need to get better and you need to keep working on it. It's like, at least I got my work cut out for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you're doing great. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've got, you, you, like I say, you've got a bunch of records out. You've got a lot of experience recording behind you, a lot of experience uh, performing, interviewing. So, I mean, you're only 27. And as far as blues people go, you're still 30 years before you're old enough to be playing the blues. So, uh, you you got lots I'll, of room, <laughs> lots of room and lots of time. You know, you lean back on that pop thing and you, you know, it's a little different, but yeah. Well, I'm excited well, to hear the, the new stuff. Thing, and... The pop thing is maybe just to get my foot in the door. Yeah. And like, you know, some of the best advice someone ever told me, because a lot of musicians and songwriters that get hung up on, like when they're recording, they're like, oh, well, I need to be myself all the time. It's like, well, it's cool to be yourself. But if you have a message and you find it important to reach people, sometimes you got to play the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Cause here's the thing. No matter what, you can always do whatever you want on your live shows. Right. But what would be the point if you if you're not getting anyone to your live shows? Right. So it's like, yeah, maybe I won't have a 13 minute guitar solo on my album recording. <laughs> maybe I won't. But you know what? I'm gonna do that live, and you can deal with it. That's right. <laughs> and the and the 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 record that I might have sacrificed that solo on, maybe that became such such big of a record that these people actually come to the show. Sure. It's like it's the live show that matters. So it's like. My future projects, I'm going to be making a little bit more sacrifices, not necessarily to who I am, but just to kind of reel it in a little bit, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. to maybe get a wider reach, just so that I can get people into the venue, mm-hmm. and then, then they're mine. Yep. <laughs> then I'll then I'll play one song for 25 minutes, and you know what? They can just deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they're not going anywhere because you know you sound great. Love your voice. Love your playing. So once they're there, you got them. You know. Yeah, and it's really not then that I'm worried about not appreciating the 
really long recordings it's the radio stations it's the rules oh, yeah. that we have to follow in society like oh we're not going to play this song because it's more than three and a half minutes long like, exactly that kind of thing it sometimes you just got to play by the rules well, just you know, a little yeah, bit go ahead and cut the 13 minute solo in the, in the studio just edit it out for the radio version and post the long one on your website exactly, <laughs> Why not? exactly. there's just so many ways to get around it because at the end of the day it's like I want to reach people, and if having a 13-minute guitar solo on my record is not is going to stop me from doing that, yeah. maybe I need to not do that. Yeah, a lot of people don't think that way, but I think you're right. Hey, Jackie, I know you well, got to get into the studio. We're about up to that time, so I want to thank you for taking yep. the time to uh, hook up with me and come on. Oh uh, yeah, I really am honored that you came to the show. It's you never know with a tour, so thank you for coming out and. Thanks for having me on your show. And yeah, I'll see really you next time it. you come really through good. town. In fact, uh, I'll we'll see if we can't get George Benson out there, and I won't tell you. Yeah, I got I got your number, man. I'm going to be bothering you. I hope <laughs> you, you do know that. that. You do that. All right, and have a great night, and good luck in the <laughs> studio tonight. Okay, thank you right. so much. Take care. <laughs> 